Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that you would just hide me behind the cross of Jesus and allow your word to go forth and penetrate hearts. Lord, you, uh, you declare in your word that it goes forth and it accomplishes what it was meant to do. So I just ask that that would happen here today, whether it's for one heart or five hearts or whether every single person in this house can take something away from it and use it. I just pray that your anointing would go out to touch lives and and break yokes. And, And Lord, I just want to lift up Chad as well. My heart leaps every time I think about the story of how this came to be and and, and what he's getting to do now, um, I'm overjoyed for him. <laughs> Almost to tears sometimes when I'm praying for him. We just lift him up now for his safety and for all you're going to do in him, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I also want to <clears throat> lift up Angela. I know she's holding down the fort, doing a lot of hard work um, in order to make this happen for her husband. So, uh Angela, we're just super proud of you, and I've been praying for you all week that you can get through and endure. Because how you know, Chad does a lot of work. He does a lot of work here, but he also does a lot of work for his business, and, and Angela's making that happen to allow him to be able to go and do that. So, All right, well, uh, I went to Chad a f- several weeks ago, and I told him that uh, if he didn't have anything set up, already for the week he was going to be gone, uh, that the Lord was kind of moving on me, had a, a word that I would like to preach, and so uh, we agreed that that would probably be a pretty good idea. So here I am. All right, if you remember rightly last time, for those of you who are here, that when I preached, I had my daughters come up, and they turned around and they were holding up each one a letter, R-U-N, run. And we had talked about running. But I'm going to slow things down this time and talk to us about how's your walk. All right? So where we're running before, we're, we're walking this time. All right. So what I want to do is start out right off the bat by challenging this idea that salvation is the be-all, end-all. That so many times what we want to do is get someone to the point of salvation and to pray a prayer. Now, don't mishear me. (laughs) Salvation is the most critical issue. Knowing our eternal destiny. But there's something more to it than that. Okay, this is how I like to look at it. What was God's original design? What did he originally intend to have happen? Originally, God didn't intend for there to be salvation because if man hadn't fallen, if they had not eaten of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, there would have been no need for salvation. All right? So God's original design was not just that we be saved. There was something more than that. 
So before sin entered the world, God had a picture of what the world would look like. But because of sin, we entered into a curse. Everything changed. The man began to have labor when he worked on the ground. Women began to have pain when they had childbirth. We had to leave the garden in the paradise of God. He put uh, flaming angels to guard the way from us going back in. So let's look at how God intended things to be originally. What did he design? So in Genesis 1, 19 and 20, we see God's very first activity with man. Does anybody know what that activity was? Naming animals. That was the very first thing, that was the very first thing God did with man. Now, I don't know about you, but naming animals is an exciting thing in our house. You know, we get these animals, and it's all about coming up with the name. What are we going to call this one? And on the, you know, like, we had a horse on our farm, and, and the horse came to us named, but he didn't know his name, so we felt that gave us full rights to change his name. So, so you know, we, we ended up naming that horse Toby. And, of course, then comes the nicknames, you know. Tobias and Tobias Jones and Toby One Kenobi, may the horse be with you, you know, and all that fun stuff. And and then our dog came to us that we got from a shelter, and it already had a name, and his name was Indian, and so we didn't get to have the pleasure of naming him, so we decided to, you know, but then we got to have the fun of all the nicknames, and Indiana Bones and the Doghouse of Doom, or the, the Dog Toy of Destiny, you know, so, and then... You know, we got this latest dog, and, and the girls came up with names, and Rachel came up with names, and I came up with names. And as soon as I said captain, we all looked at each other, and we we're like, he's captain, that's who he is. All right, so that's the very first activity that God shared with man, is the joy of naming animals. And to this day, we have horses, and we have dogs, and we have frogs, and we have cats, and we have elephants, because God created man to come down and interact with him. So the very next thing we see really in activity with God and man is in Genesis 3.8. And it says that God came down to walk in the garden with man. And I really believe now at this point of the story, unfortunately... Adam and Eve had already eaten the fruit and had fallen. And so they were hiding from God. And God's walking around, Adam, Eve, where are you? Like he didn't know. Hello, anybody home? And see, but this is what God wanted to do with man, was come down and interact I don't believe that this is the first time in the story God had come down to walk with them. I believe this was just part of the natural relationship they had, was he would come down and they would walk together and they would fellowship and they would interact. You know, when I was about, all through my years, 16, 17, 18 years old, I had a, I had a best friend named Tim. And Tim had a car old 78 Dotson hatchback, 
Well, we did a lot of things in that car, fishing trips and trips to St. Louis, and a lot of fond memories of that car. And, and I even had a car I could pretty much use most of the time because my mom was a homebody, so if she wasn't at work, the car was just sitting in the driveway, and she'd let me take it. But, you know, even though both of us had cars, so many times we would just leave it parked, and we would go on these long walks, you know, now, they weren't long, romantic strolls on the beach. Don't get it all twisted up or anything. But we would just walk. And I'll tell you what. Those times that we walked and talked are just... Man, I just got goosebumps thinking about it now. Because we really developed friendship. So, I don't know if anybody remembers the place uh, Big Boys. Uh, they tend to have big boys all around the country. But it's a lot like a Denny's. So our big thing was to hang out with a lot of friends at Denny's, or I mean at Big Boy's, and have coffee. It was located right next to the movie theater, so we'd go see a movie, we'd go for coffee, and and we were there almost all the time. But, you know, Tim's house was about five or six miles away from Big Boy, and sometimes we wouldn't even jump in the car to go there. We'd just take off walking. Five or six miles, an hour, 15 minute, hour and a half walk, you know, for two young guys in good shape. And we had a good idea that our friends were going to be there and that we could probably catch a ride back home if we needed. But many a time, too, we just ended up walking back home afterwards. But that walking, that talking developed a type of relationship that to this day uh, I rarely have had. So... God wants to do that very same thing with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. Now, in that story there in Genesis, obviously that was a very physical reality. God came down in the form of Jesus Christ and walked with man. Today it's more of a a spiritual thing to walk with him, but his original design, his original purpose has not changed at all. He... Hmm. Hmm. He wants to have that daily fellowship with us. He wants to have that walking, that talking, that getting to know each other. You know, there's a, a fellow that I like to listen to. It's a guy by the name of, of Rick Joyner. And Rick Joyner likes to say this thing that, um, you know, who when they got married would have wanted their marriage to look like Well, I love you, honey. I say I do. And uh, if anything ever changes, I'll let you know. But basically, you know, we've said what we need to say each other, and now let's just go on with our lives. That would be nobody's picture of marriage. You know, you want to say I do, and that's just the very... That's not crossing the finish line. That's just the starting line. You know, I've been blessed to be married to Rachel for 25 years. And to this day, we're still learning and getting to know things about each other. And that's the only person I've ever walked with more than my buddy Tim is Rachel. And we've walked for 25 years together, and we still get to know each other. But the joy in getting to know each other is uh, one of my greatest earthly joys. But God wants to have that joy with us. All right. 
He wants us to be his friends. Right in 1 Samuel, we have a voice, a, vo- a verse a lot of people would probably know, 1522. It says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Right? But I think there's another level to that. And some of you older parents in the room, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Now, to some of you younger parents, uh, this will be something you can look forward to. So, yes, to obey is better than sacrifice. But you know what's even better? Friendship with our grown children. You know, when I was raising my children, I wanted them to learn to obey. In fact, I was nearly psychotic about wanting them to obey. It became really a pride issue. I wasn't wanting them to obey for their betterment. I was wanting them to obey because, doggone it, they better obey me. Thank God for growth and and becoming a better person and, and, and stripping away some of that pride. But in a healthy relationship, hey, big guy, are you going to help me? Um, this is great. All right. I feel like he had an important word, but the moment has passed. So we want our children to grow up and obey us. And you know, obeying us is better than a sacrifice. How many know we don't want our children to do wrong and give us the sacrifice of I'm sorry? knowing that they're only going to go do wrong again and give us the sacrifice of I'm sorry. But what we want to see them do is obey and not have to offer a sacrifice of I'm sorry. But then there's something so much sweeter, so much better than that, and that's when your children become adults and you begin to walk with them and you begin to talk with them. And they have these personalities and they have these ideas and you're just living in relationship. I, need, I no longer need to train my adult children. You know, Brittany, I love to talk with Brittany. She's, uh, she's smart as a tack and, and reminds me so much of myself. <laughs> now, I really can have some great conversations with Brittany because she's super sharp. And, and I'm not worried about training her or teaching her or or getting her to pick up her clothes in her bedroom, or, uh, you know, doing her homework. But we just sit and we talk and we have relationship. And I'm now walking with my daughter. And the same with Danielle and Hannah. Hannah calls us every day on Facebook Messenger. And it's such a joy. I'm not teaching her to obey. I'm hearing about her day and what she's doing over there in Australia is absolutely amazing. And this is the Father's heart. You know, this is why He even created us. He didn't create us to struggle to obey. He had to put the tree in the garden because it would never, we'd never truly offer Him love if we didn't have the choice to not love Him. But that's not what He created us for. He created us so He could come down and walk with us and talk with us, and be in fellowship with us, and know us, and we could know Him. Hmm. That is 
what God created for us to do. You know, in Amos 3.7, it says that God doesn't do anything in the earth unless he first shares it with his servants, the prophets. But you know what I love? After that, in John 15, 15, when Jesus came along, he said, You know what? I, never, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And he said, A servant doesn't know his master's business, but friends, they know the master's business. And see, God is not just wanting to create servants that would know what he's doing, but he wants to have friends that knows what he's doing. He wants us to be friends with God, who, like John, with his ear leaned against him at the feast, at the Passover, that we would be friends who are leaning into our God and we're hearing what he has to say about what's going on. God desires friendship with us, relationship, not just a one-day commitment. And then we say, God, if anything changes, we'll let you know. <laughs> now I'm going to go upon, about my own life. All right, I want to contrast two different people in the Bible who walked with God. All right? The first one we know in Genesis 5.24 is Enoch. It, said, it says, Enoch walked with God and he was no more. All right? I love Enoch. I really believe that when, in the book of Revelation, it says there's going to be two prophets who stand in Jerusalem speaking and that they are going to be killed and left in the streets and all the followers of the Antichrist are going to revel over them and mock them and laugh them, laugh at them, you know, because they're going to hate the message. We were just talking about being, you know, persecuted for our relationship with God. These two are going to really be persecuted because they're going to be in Israel, the hotbed of all the Antichrist venom and hatred, and they're going to kill them. But then it says after three days they're going to rise and they're going to begin to continue on preaching the word of God. I really believe those two people are going to be Enoch and Elijah. You know, the Bible says it's appointed each time for a man to die, and those really are the only two people that never died. Both Enoch and Elijah were just lifted up into heaven. So anyway, that's just a personal thought. might end up to be two totally different. It might be Tony and Bob. You know, I don't know. But, uh, but I just have a feeling that it's going to be Enoch and Elijah. Well, I didn't really mean our Bob, but, but some Bob. You know, Bob's a pretty popular name, although it, over there it might be Habib. You know, It might be Tobias and Habib. But anyway... I think you guys know what I mean. So Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. And that's all it says about him. <laughs> but I tell you what, we have more information about Enoch in the book of Jude. It says Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied. Now how did Enoch prophesy? 
See, I believe Enoch prophesied because he walked with God. Is not prophecy simply speaking the words of God? He was hearing the words of God every day. They were going on walks, talking. Enoch would talk to God. God would talk to Enoch. And, God, uh, and Enoch would share some of those things God said. Part of what I want to do right now, this is, is not exactly all of the sermon, but I just want to bring this up because it really hit me while I was preparing, is I just want to kind of demystify prophecy. There's been a lot built up around prophecy uh, and mystics and shamans and, and the man of God, the oracle of God, and and prophets have been this elevated position and this this thing, are they in the church, are they not in the church, are they weird, the ones I met are weird, are they bitter, the ones I met always seem mad. But let's not focus on titles, but let's focus on the relationship. Oh, to be a friend of God. Oh, to walk with him so close that we hear what he's saying. And we just can't help but share that. See, the Lord gave me a picture the other day that this is kind of what prophecy is like. You know, so often we walk around and we hardly know what the next step is. Or we're praying to God for what the next step is. And we don't know where we're going or what we're doing next. And prophecy is kind of like this little light. Just a little little. You know, imagine when you're driving down the road and you've got your headlights on and, and you've just got a little bit of illumination out in front of you. For, prophe- for so many, that's kind of how prophecy can be. You've got a little bit of illumination out in front of you. Every once in a while, someone will come to you or God will speak something to you that's kind of like turning the brights on and now you have a bigger view of what's going on. Now, praise God, he doesn't turn on the whole lights and show us the whole picture because we'd probably turn the car around and head back the other way. It might be a little too too scary if we saw it all at once. But this is kind of what prophecy is. It's just kind of turning the lights on, letting us see a little bit. You know, there were some major prophets who who shed some light on some real amazing uh, future events, but I, I think we need a release of prophecy in the church like we've never had before. But before we go all weird on that, how about if we just bring it back to we need some people walking with God and becoming friends with God like we have never had before or have not seen in a in a very long time. You know, um, in Numbers 11.29, some people came to Moses and they said, you know, these people are prophesying. They wanted Moses to, to stop them, you know. And Moses said, I wish but that all of God's people were prophets. And I really think the reason he said that is because he knew what Enoch was. He had a picture of Enoch. you got to remember, Moses wrote the books of the Bible. He wrote Genesis. So when he told us about Enoch walked with God and was no more, 
He had intimate knowledge of that. And so I really believe that when, when Moses said, I wish that all of you were prophets, he, he wanted to know, he wished every single one of the Israelites was walking so close, close with God that they were hearing him and having relationship with him. Instead of saying, Moses, you go have relationship with God for us and come back and share that. He said, no, I wish they all would go forth and have relationship with God and walk with him. See, he understood the friendship that Enoch had with God. So that's one person who walked with God was Enoch. Now there's another situation with some people who walked with God. In Luke 24, 15 through 35, it we hear about the road to Emmaus. So we have these two guys. You know, Jesus had just died. And for most people, that was the end of the story. They didn't know anything else. So these two guys, they're leaving, they're leaving Jerusalem. They're walking to Emmaus. And Jesus kind of real sly, real incognito, just kind of slides up and joins their conversation. Say, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they say, are you the only guy in all of Israel who doesn't know what's happened? I was sharing with a friend at work uh, what I was going to be talking about today. And he said, that story's my favorite story in the Bible. He said, the way Jesus just kind of plays dumb, <laughs> he just loves it. But anyway, he just, oh, no, tell me about this. You know, what, what's this event that's going on? And he walked with them, and he began to open up the scriptures from the beginning of time all the way up until what had happened on the cross. So they get to their destination, and Jesus acts like he's just going to keep on walking. Bye, guys. See you later. They said, wait, no. Stop and eat with us. You know, sometimes you can be just this close to God and not even realize. When I was, uh, I bought a house in Evansville, and I mean, uh, when that, when the, I forget which hurricane it was, but it hit, I think it was the one that hit down in Houston, and then it pushed all the way up through the middle of the country, And we ended up with those horrendous windstorms here in Evansville. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but yeah. So at that time, Sam and I were working on this new house that, well, not new house, old house, very old house that Rachel and I had bought downtown Evansville. And the neighbor came and knocked on the door and he said, uh, one of your bricks from your chimney just went through my window. You know, we lived in one of those neighborhoods where the houses were practically touching. So we went over there, Sam and I, and we investigated his window, and we said, you know, we'll have this window replaced for you by tomorrow. So we went back, and we walked, and all of a sudden there was this explosion at my feet. Freaked me out. I jumped back. Chips flew all over me. But do you know, if I was one or two steps ahead of where I was, I wouldn't even be preaching you this message today. 
a brick from our chimney, three stories high, fell and shattered at my feet. Now, I don't know. I'm stubborn. I've got a pretty hard head. But there's a good chance that that brick would have took me out, you know. I'd have been done for. Or we'd been six or seven step backwards. My father-in-law might not be here today because he was, he was ahead of me a little ways. So sometimes we miss something by just that much. Let me share another story with you. I love that uh, she's not here, so I'm going to have full reign to just share this story about Rachel. When I was leaving Korea and I was in the military, I had set it up with my buddy who was stationed in Hawaii that I was going to fly into Hawaii and hang out with him for a week and then come home from there for my leave before I went to Fort Hood, Texas. But uh, he called me up a little ways before I was supposed to discharge from Korea and said, you know, they won't give me any leave, so if you come... He said, you'll basically just be hanging out by yourself all day long, and then we can spend a little bit of time together at night. So I decided I wasn't going to do that. Um, and as a result, I've still never been to Hawaii to this day. But, uh, and I used to lament that, that I didn't take my one and only opportunity. But here's the reality, is that instead of going to Hawaii, I came home, And my mom took some vacation time, because back then I lived in Wisconsin. My mom took some vacation time, and we drove down here to visit my grandma. So one day we're visiting, and we decide we're going to go out to lunch. So we're thinking, you know how it is when you're going to go to lunch. We go here. Should we go there? Who wants it? So eventually my grandma said, well, there's this new Mexican place uh, called Los Bravos, uh, Bravos, And uh, back then they were still on Buena Vista. That building's torn down now, and they've moved over several blocks. But she said, I really like their food, so why don't we go there for lunch? Okay. So we walk into this restaurant, and I see this girl walk in. and Pretty girl. I see an engagement ring on her, so I don't pay much more attention to it. But then, uh, later on as we're eating, I look over and I go, you know, that literally looks like Rachel Owen. Now, if it had been me and my mom eating in that restaurant, that's as far as that would have gone. Because my mom and I are shyer and would not think of just going up and talking to someone that might be a stranger, might not be a stranger, you know. But as the Lord would have it, my grandma was there that day. Now, I assure you, my grandma has no problem going up and talking to anybody (laughs) about anything. (laughs) And so she jumped up and she ran over there and she said, Are you Rachel Owen? And Rachel said, Yeah. And she said, Well, Josh is sitting right over there. She jumped up, ran over, and grabbed my hand to see if I had a ring on my finger. (laughs) To this day, she will still tell you, I don't know what came over me or what happened. But see, I could have been sitting in a restaurant that close to my future wife. And if it wasn't for my grandma, I probably walked out of that restaurant that day and never met her. 
never had 25 years later and five natural-born children later and two adopted children later. If I'd gone to Hawaii, I might not have met my future wife that day, although we knew each other. Rachel and I have known each other since I was five and she was three. We went to church together. But, uh, but I lived in Wisconsin and she still lived down here in Evansville. So it was really a chance meeting in that restaurant that day. If we chose to eat at a different restaurant, if it had just been me and my mom and I was too shy to go find out if it was this girl, could have been that close to my future wife and never even known it. And these guys could have been that close to their Savior and not even known it. See, Jesus did decide to stay and eat with them. And it says when he broke the bread open, they recognized him. And then they said, didn't our hearts burn within us the whole time? I would hate to be this close to the Lord my whole life. Have the burning in my heart many times but never know who he was. See, this was what was on my heart, was a comparison between Enoch and the guys on the road to Emmaus. Enoch knew who God was, and he walked with him, and he got closer and closer and closer. These guys were walking with God and didn't even know who he was. How many times does God walk along with us and he speaks to our heart? And he tells us, don't do this, don't do this, saves us. I don't know about you guys, but I have dozens of stories of what God did to me, for me, how he spoke to me before I ever came to know him. You know, God didn't just start caring about me or having a relationship with me once I came to him. He was walking with me, making my heart burn before I ever came to know him. But some people have that all the way to the end. And we can only hope that on, you know, on their deathbed, they see him break the bread and they recognize who he is. And they give their life to him. It says that some will come into the kingdom basically, you know, still smoking. <laughs> they got in just in time. But who do we want to be more like? Do we want to be more like Enoch, who had years to walk with the Lord and to know him and to become like him and to hear him and to grow in relationship with him? Or do we want to be like the guys in Emmaus who are walking along beside the Savior and are oblivious to what he's doing in our lives? I know I want to be more like Enoch. I remember a time when Rod said, he was talking about uh, teaching a little bit on Enoch, and he said, I can just picture it, you know, Enoch and, and Jesus, they're walking along, and they're walking and talking and, and walking and talking, and they, they went on and on and on, and, and Jesus turns to him and says, you know, Enoch, we're closer to my place than yours. Why don't you just come on over? <laughs> I can just, oh, someday we're going to get to just come on over to Jesus' place. But I'd like that to be after I walked with him, after I got to know him, 
You know, there's going to be rewards in heaven. Salvation is salvation. Salvation is going to be glorious. Salvation is much better than the alternative. I can't even imagine a life of utter, eternal hopelessness. So salvation is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there's also going to be rewards. And rewards come from depth of service, depth of knowing Him. And how do we grow in knowing Him but walking in relationship? Not just in a marriage event where we say, I do, and then we go on to live for ourselves for the next 5, 10, 20, 25, 40, 50 years. But a life that's walked out with Christ, getting to know Him more and more on a daily basis, sharing the naming stories of our pets, hearing how He knit together the stars, listening to the joy in His voice about how, when He tells us how He designed a baby. We share with them the things we're excited about. We share with them the things that we're broken up about. You know, it said when Jesus was talking to a woman at the well, he said, there come a day when people will worship me in spirit and truth. Let me tell you, some of the times that truth is telling them where we're really at, what's really going on with us, you know. God, I'm broken up. Even if we come here and put on the face, and I don't need to describe the face, you all know the face, the mask, the everything's okay, it's fine. But with Jesus, we have a chance to be in relationship with Him in truth and confess to Him and let Him be our balm of Gilead and heal our hearts. But He wants to grow in relationship with us. He wants to be that comforter to us. He wants to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Word says. But we can only do that if we walk with Him. So many people, when they get in trouble, they... Run from Him instead of running to Him. But God has so much that He wants us to enjoy with Him, to know about Him. He wants us to be known by Him. And that happens, of course, He knows everything about us. Of course, He does. He's God. But there's a, a, a something that happens in relationship when we tell Him what's going on inside of us we can begin to trust Him with our heart. How many know in a, in a marriage or in a relationship what it's like to trust someone with your heart? You know, kids that grow up in abusive houses, they have very difficult, they have great difficulty bonding and being in good relationships because it's very hard to trust someone with your heart. And many of us come to the Lord like that. I struggle to trust you with my heart, Jesus. When the chips are really down, I want to pull it back and protect it because I've learned that ultimately I'm the only one who can protect my heart. And Jesus is just there waiting for us to grow in relationship with him and say, No, 
Jesus, I can trust you with my heart. Through the pain, through the sadness, through the tribulations of this life, and also you're the one I want to run to and celebrate when the exciting things happen in my life, when the blessings come. I want to share them with you. You know, my wife and I are in a place like that as a human representation of my earthly relationship with Jesus. And for years, I did not trust Rachel with my heart. Uh, It was too scary. It was too much. You know, I grew up where trusting anyone emotionally was dangerous, could get you hurt more. Um, But I've come to a place now where there's no one that I trust more than Rachel. And there's no one I want to celebrate more with than Rachel. But all that is just a foreshadow, just a look at what it is to have that with Jesus. So my question today is simple, but I hope it goes really deep in you, is how is your walk with the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you walking away from the Lord? Is the Lord just something that you did a one-time I do, but now you're basically living in a silent divorce? How many people have ever heard of a silent divorce? You, you stay married for the kids' sake, for finances' sake, for pragmatic sake, but there's no marriage there. There's no intimacy. There's no bond. I feel like a lot of people, that's your relationship with the Lord is a silent divorce. You said I do one time a long time ago. And that's the last there was to it, really. So how is your walk with the Lord? Is it deep? Is it growing? Is it intimate? Do you trust Him with your heart? Are you excited to share with Him your victories? If anybody feels like right now this is hitting them, then I'd like you to just come up. I'm going to ask... Eddie, to come up with me. And we just want to pray for you if this has made an impact, if, if right now the anointing of God is hitting you and is saying, I've got to get right in my walk. But if nobody wants prayer right this second, sorry, I should have asked for That's why Eddie's the brains of this operation. But otherwise, I pray that you would just Seek the Lord. Ask Him, where am I at with this? What is this? How does this message hit home in my heart? I love you guys. I really do. I've gone back to the basics and praying for you. I would say outside of ministering to your children right now, my biggest ministry to you all is is lifting you up in prayer on a regular basis. So I bless you and your week. And if anybody needs it, just go ahead and come up for prayer.
ahead and assume that everybody's heart is in a good place. So, let's pray that you would go forth in this week blessed in the power and the strength of the Lord. I love you guys and we are so grateful that we got to worship with you and be here with you today. Go out and love on your neighbor. Check on their heart. uh, Ryan's going to worship us out and, and you guys are released as you see fit to go. And also, don't be afraid to stick around and be a part of this outreach meeting. We'd really love as many people to be a part of it as at all possible. So stick around and be a part of the meeting. God bless you guys.